Hello, my dear podcast listeners. Welcome to the Raise V Startup X podcast, the podcast that is able to further unlock the potential of startups by giving them a larger stage to share their story and value proposition and connect them with a broader audience. If you're an investor or strategic partner, you'll be able to listen to an audible startup pitch remotely and retain their contact details right here. For fellow entrepreneurs working on or aspiring to initiate a startup, be sure to get all the ins and outs on how to start, build, pivot, and grow your business. In this episode, I will be talking to Isabel Nack, Head of Business Development and Customer Success Management at EVA, a firm that builds high-throughput drone docking stations. According to EVA, there will be approximately 1.4 million business drones by 2023, and they are set out to develop UAV infrastructure which stands for Unmanned Aerial Vehicles, to make the future of drone applications more sustainable, operational, and scalable. We'll be diving into Isabel's own journey into the startup world, and of course, Eva's contributions to build the future of drone applications. Stay tuned. As one of the key employees at EVA, Isabel has a strong interest in disruptive concepts for the future of urban living and intelligent mobility concepts. She is a self-starter and is committed to implementing sustainable solutions that solve real-world problems. As a dedicated and proactive team player with an innovative mindset, she's applying her learnings from having worked several years in an international working environment. She has gained valuable experiences in Germany, Sri Lanka, Hong Kong, and Portugal, and is currently managing EVA's expansion to the UAE. She has a degree in international management with a major in innovation and entrepreneurship, and was part of the Techstars Lisbon 2019 cohort, assisting in building a batch of 10 startups as they grew from early stage to venture-backed companies. Isabel is an entrepreneurial woman with a solid understanding of business development, agile project management, and international strategy. She is dedicated to strengthening EVA in its mission to establish a network of drone infrastructure to build the foundation for a new industry to thrive. So without further ado, Isabel, welcome on our show. So ever since meeting at a pitch event and learning more about EVA's propositions, I've wanted to learn more about your own endeavors in the startup ecosystem and of course, EVA's ambition to, to shape the, the future of drone technology. So very excited to have you on today and to talk about that. You are originally from Germany, but you've been abroad ever since 2014. You, for example, lived and worked across Asia in Hong Kong and Sri Lanka, taking on social entrepreneurship and working for an investment group and a large part in Portugal, where you're based now, and were part of the Techstars teams and in your current role, part of the startup team at EVA, which is quite a lot as a background. Tell us a bit more about yourself and what drove you to go international and gain those experiences. Uh, Salma, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm extremely grateful and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make this short. My name is Isabel. I'm currently 27. I've, as you already, you know, made all the big intro. Um, I've been abroad for quite a while. I was actually born in Spain. We moved back to Germany when I was like a year old and my parents have really dragged us around ever since we're young. So, you know, went on, on very exciting trips uh, to to Africa and, and remote places ever since we had an old lesson than 10 years old. So when I started being this very international person, I guess uh, I always told my parents, like, are you really surprised that I turn out this way? So for me, it's really, um, I think this this is one mantra that I sort of follow. It's, it's like everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. And I, I think that's just like truly beautiful because going abroad really opens 
so many doors and really truly broadens your horizon your horizon as cliche as that sounds so i think it is it is sort of you know what some people say about getting tattoos like once you have one you just kind of can't stop for me that's that's definitely the international experiences and i think having germany as a base truly helps because germany is such a you know stable country so i know for a fact i can always come back and i think that's that that makes you know all the endeavors um, so much easier having this sort of like safe haven And uh, you have a background and, and strong interest in entrepreneurship and innovation. You've therefore chosen to, to support entrepreneurs, uh, be it for youth empowerment in Sri Lanka, where you taught leadership and management, or supporting startups getting their products to market. What does innovation and entrepreneurship mean to you? Um, very, yeah, very good question right at the beginning. So, so Sri Lanka, for instance, is a, it's a very interesting country. That was uh, 2012, so tourism wasn't really a thing just yet. And I think it's a country where where the average person has a really strong educational background. However, what they're sort of lacking is really is you know just the basic understanding or the means how to turn this knowledge into something tangible or something that can actually be monetized. So we went out there and we would hold these workshops and speeches in with regards to goal setting, entrepreneurship, you know, time management, lean management, all these kind of things. And it was so interesting to see how they come in with all their, you know, very book smart, very knowledgeable people. But then when it comes to, we, we did this class on entrepreneurship and I was like, okay, you know, pitch me a good startup idea. They had like a day or two to work it out. And then it would be like, oh, we could, you know, sell coconuts. And it was just interesting to see where, where it's like, okay, for me, entrepreneurship is, you know, seeing the basic need, obviously, any any kind of need that you have in a community or a society. And I think that, again, you know, coming back to, to having the safety in Germany, I think there, obviously, being an entrepreneur requires a lot of risk taking, which is not easy if the foundation isn't as stable as, you know, my, some, some of us might have. So I think, yeah, all in all, it was extremely interesting to understand there why maybe they're not as keen to or like where the willingness to start a new business just simply isn't there yet. So we sort of tried to, you know, kickstart that. And that really, for the first time, made me really fall in love with entrepreneurship because, again, everyone has fantastic ideas. It's sometimes just that you have to to sort of lay them found the foundation of, of how to turn this knowledge into something that can then actually be transformed into, you know, something that can create value or money, hopefully. So did you always know you wanted to be part of the startup ecosystem or entrepreneurship in general? Not quite. No, actually, no, to be frank, not at all. I think growing up, I didn't even know what the term startup really means. I guess coming from a small place in, in Germany, like my parents both work in a very, you know, fair and square, super stable family business. My sister is a doctor. So, so yeah, the entrepreneurship world isn't really something that, you know, I, I was acquainted with from early onwards. However, if I look sort of into, you know, my interest ever since I'm, what have you, like 15, I think I always like the typical kind of like, you know, entrepreneurship at heart, the, the small, like, I don't know, upcycling furniture and selling it for a little mock-up or, I don't know, suing your own laptop cases and selling them across. It just, you know, small things where you, where you feel like, oh, I, I like to run my own business. And uh, two years ago, I, I bought a camper van and accidentally turned that into like a, a little side hustle that um, is quite profitable. And, and I think just, it keeps me on my toes. I'm so I, but I completely obliviously like fell into it. So it's not something that was planned, so to say. And you've started off working for an investment group, proceeded working for Techstars, which is one of the, the largest accelerators, supporting large cohorts of startups. And now you are a core member of a drone technology and infrastructure startup. How have these experiences set you up for your current role? And what lessons did you take with you? 
in a way. It's interesting how I now ended up in a tech startup in Portugal, because I think working in my previous jobs did not really prepare me, you know, essentially as in, oh, I followed a finance track and now I'm working in finance. But it's really more the sheer amount of different small learnings that I had over time. And I think really moving abroad, especially, I mean, moving to Hong Kong was was just this typical completely non-planned, oh my God, what the hell am I doing here situation. So I think the ability to adapt to all sorts of new challenges is is really one of the core traits that I believe what an entrepreneur should have. Because there's going to be so many things that you can't really foresee or anticipate and that no one really prepares you for throughout, especially I think the first couple of years as an entrepreneur. So I think if you've encountered situations during your travels or even with your family and friends, you know, just being open-minded and taking on the challenge. Because if you have that mindset, then you're already halfway of a good entrepreneur. So again, I think it's, you know, moving abroad usually means starting from scratch and, you know, being there without friends or the safety net that I just mentioned. So so I think for me, that's essentially what an entrepreneur does as well. You just kind of dive into the unknown. It's a big black box, you know, and yeah, 99% of the time you're asking yourself what the hell you're doing but I guess this mix of like I know by the end of the day all things are going to fall into place and and be if it doesn't work then again I'm just going to have the chance to start all over again I guess that that resilience truly helps right exactly resilience was one of the words I was looking for and really being open to that learning experience what I also hear is being adaptable so being able to take in all the insights and, and work with them in your learning process by being adaptable and being open to that experience correct absolutely yes <laughs> for sure and supporting or advising startups in an accelerator such as Techstars versus now being in their shoes you're actually working for one of them has there been an eye-opening moment for you or a moment where you realized when you are sitting at the other side of the table and you you get to experience that in a different way. Was that any different for you? Certainly. I have this moment pretty much right around now <laughs> doing this podcast with you right now. I guess it's it really shows it's like, oh, wow, now I'm on the other side of the table, which is incredible. I think what I really, it was for me the greatest transformation of yeah working first for tech stars and then you know diving into the entrepreneurship world yourself. And I could truly advise this to everyone, especially coming right out of, I just accomplished my master's degree. And for me, it was really the perfect way how to, to kickstart this journey. However, I think what I really truly learned is when you so working you know sort of back end for textiles you think you can scale every business in the same way you're like oh i learned this framework in school so i'm just going to apply it and then that's how we're going to drive their sales or this is how we're going to set their crm to a lot or anything like that so i think then you know afterwards joining eva i very quickly realized oh man i had you know suggested a lot of things to them that really truly don't work for this particular startup so by the end of the day, startups are like human beings, you know, there's there's not a pattern recipe that works for everyone. So I think that, that was definitely a moment that I realized way later and even discussed it with my boss and he just kind of smiled away. I was like, yes, exactly, because we're, you know, completely different than a non-tech startup or a fast-moving consumer goods startup from the States. You know, whereas us building large hardware for the drone industry. And then last but not least, I think it was just beautiful, this little, let's say, moment while we were going through Texas, my now current CEO, he sort of went through the Texas program alone as a CEO, and I would be his note taker during the mentor madness. And I really felt, you know, like back at school, just kind of very vividly taking all the notes and taking it all in. And really, I think at the time I was more mesmerized by the mentors. I was like, I want to be 
I want to go through all this so that one day I'm going to be able to sit on yet the other side of the table and be a Techstars mentor because I think that's that's really so amazing how quickly they they just kind of dive into every new situation and and then give like really quick but very kick-ass advice to to all these 10 teams so yeah truly a very great experience well, looking at your experience uh, from sitting at both sides of the table, would there be any additional advice you would want to give fellow startups now that you've experienced their journey firsthand? Um, yeah, I, I'd like to just tell them all that I now truly understand what they went through in terms of, I think, especially tech stars, but also I'm pr pretty sure every other accelerator out there. These programs are extremely valuable, but also so demanding. I think what I didn't understand at the time is like, if you go through a three months long program that really runs from nine to five or even from, from nine to 10 PM that these companies, they already have a business going on. They already have usually a nine to five job. So now what would happen is obviously they would go through the program and be all ambitious and, and really following all the sessions, but then all the, you know, let's say the hundred emails that you get per day, they would just kind of be shifted towards midnight. So now I have a way better understanding of what that means. Lastly, I think it's really, I would say a good 50% of these of the teams that we walked through the program were really young founders. And I think it's amazing how usually it's last minute. So, you know, you get the the note like, oh, you got accepted into Techstars. How about you move from yeah Australia or the States to Lisbon and leave your family and your friends behind for three months, just kind of diving into this, yeah, again, complete black box. And I think I'm just really proud on behalf of everyone who's done this because it's extremely demanding physically and emotionally and mentally, exactly. But I think if you're willing to do that, that really shows that you, you know, you praise your own startup. And, and I think it really preps them for, you know, whatever is, is bound to be sent their way. It's a marathon, uh, but it's, it's totally worth it. So for any entrepreneurs and innovators wanting to enter the, the startup ecosystem space and possibly taking on a similar role in business development, your current role, what would your advice be? For me, business development is it's a role that's hard to put in a box for me. It's truly everything. Uh, at least, you know, typically in a startup, everyone sort of does a bit of everything because you're usually a small team and, and you won't have a designated. Sometimes, you know, corporates still reach out and say, oh, could you run this by your legal department? And I'm like, oh, that's also me. <laughs> Just like I'm also sales and also marketing. But I think that's business development for me is is truly amazing because it really, it, it fosters your creativity as well because for me everything can further develop your business if you just execute it well enough so it's not just truly sales or it's uh, yeah it's just not not applying that one marketing campaign that you worked out it, it's just using your own brains and a bit of your street smartness to understand you know what is our business all about and how yeah how can we make sure that we as you know at a core how we further develop what we're doing and for me it's you know it's what steve jobs said it's just kind of stay hungry stay foolish like if you feel like you you've got this sort of intrinsic energy to to reach out to people but not yeah again in the pure sales format but really just to also take in different opinions really incorporating mentoring support then i guess bizdev is is absolutely your role and i think it's it's one of the most exciting ones uh, so i feel truly blessed at having acquired that position <laughs> What would your advice be with regards to entering that space? So say you're looking, you would be interested in the startup ecosystem and you would want to work for a startup. Where do you find them? Like, how do you, how do you look for such a, a vacancy, for instance, or a role? Well, that's interesting enough. I mean, like, again, I, I would definitely advise anyone to look at Techstars programs because, again, if you want to be, become an entrepreneur, I guess it preps you in the best way possible. 
However, there's only, you know, so many, so many programs, um, although Texas is, is huge and, you know, all across the globe. But other than that, I think business is usually, business development is usually a role that's, that's opted out very early on in startups. Um, so even if, you know, it's only a team of five, essentially they will hire a role like that because it usually, it's, it's sort of like the global term for, for everything from really, yeah, I guess also marketing and sales and a bit of finance and accounting and, and PR for sure. So I guess what you can also do is is truly if you find a startup that you like and that you believe has the capacity or the potential to grow, write in an initiative email. Because I mean, A, I would personally say that everyone who works in a startup appreciates this kind of proactiveness because that's precisely the kind of people you're looking for, especially in business development. It shows that you're willing to just reach out, that you have sort of that drive to to maybe overcome this. Oh, yeah, but what if they don't like it if I just reach out? No, just reach out. The worst thing that they can do is like, sorry, right now we're not hiring, but we might in the future. So I think, um, yeah, being proactive and, and really understanding what kind of startup you would like to drive because that's what you will be doing. You got to believe in the business idea otherwise you're gonna suck at business development <laughs> what impact do you seek to have in your current role as part of the larger ecosystem very very good question especially i think in my in my in our industry um drones are quite the let's say slippery slope you know because obviously that's that's i think why also public acceptance is still uh, quite hesitant to jump on board is because the majority of people think of drones and immediately think of military and border patrol and, and all these let's say negatively connotated aspects which is truly understandable and that's precisely where i was coming from so what i'm really trying to to a at eva and also really yeah as you said as part of the the larger ecosystem what i'm trying to establish is a more positive view on this uh, to really shift the focus on all the great things that drones can achieve and that's also that holds true for you know what we're doing at eva is that i select where we want to put our focus on in terms of which projects do we want to take on because there will be military you know knocking on our door there has been for sure and there will be some some projects where i don't truly feel like this is where we want to position ourselves whereas then you know just recently south africa there was a large client they they came around they're like we would like to you know set ourselves up for for delivering vaccines to remote areas and and I'm like, this is it. This is precisely where I want to go. So, you know, making sure that we just drive in the right direction. But then as, as part of a larger ecosystem, I think it's also, yeah, being a bit of a, of a cliche here, but really like painting the picture of a positive future. You know, that's, I, I think what we're really lacking these, especially these days, like this morning, just flipping through the news is really doesn't make you lighthearted. So I think it's it's about, you know, educating people, but really also selling the vision of, of a future that conveys a lot of hope and, and trust and that technology can really change this world for the better. So I guess whenever I can, I'm just kind of like, oh, but that's why the terms drones for good has been established because drones can really do good and not just, you know, uh, yeah, work for the military. Yeah, if you apply to certain use cases that are close to your purpose, for instance, or that are for good, you know, it instantly is a, is a match for you in that sense to create that larger impact. That's so true. Yeah, makes sense. Great. So let us now dive into the interesting propositions and startup journey of Ava. Tell us a bit more about Eva. What is its value proposition and what products or services are you providing? Yes, with pleasure. <laughs> um, we are at Eva, we're building drone infrastructure. So it's not the super sexy idea of building our own hard, like flying hardware, which is sort of where we came from. So originally we wanted to, yeah, we had our own drone prototype and we wanted to build our own vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. But then we really dug into the market and that was really during Techstars when we realized that 
This is a huge market, a huge market opportunity, but that no one is really focusing on, on yeah, on really the, you know, establishing the foundation on the ground. Like, where are these things going to land? Where are they going to take off from? Where they're going to charge? How are we going to do command and control? Where they're going to be stored in, you know, areas like the Middle East with harsh weather conditions? All these kind of things. So essentially, really, we build drone infrastructure to, for one, extend the range of drones because right now, an average drone has. Yeah, has a flight range of or an autonomy of 20 to 30 kilometers, which is really not that long if you think about what we'd like to establish, which is drone corridors that can deliver healthcare in rural areas. But then 20 kilometers is, is a fairly small radius. So in order to do that, we've built this, you know, modular hub. It's really like a command and control center that also has these charging capabilities. And yeah, if you think about it, if I really want to paint a picture, it's like a little mini airport for drones. Eva has also designed the first universal and smart container for drones and ground robots for, for instance, Boston Dynamics, offering a one-stop solution for automated logistics through the stations. So it's not just drones, but also robots? That is that is very correct. Um, it's it's fairly recent. I think you know that's the beauty of a startup. You just kind of reinvent yourself uh, every what feels like every other two weeks, um, but not that often. But really, um, we started off with drones, but now I think what we truly want to become, or what, where we where we are right now, is that we want to provide a space where we can plug and play with all sorts of new technologies. So you mentioned correctly, Boston Dynamics is is probably the most exciting and thrilling and sophisticated robot technology that's out there right now. Um, I wish we could take the credits for it, but it's it's really Boston Dynamics. But we do have a partnership with them because they say it's like, look, if we, if we can establish this kind of integration between robots and drones, then we can in the future really have a completely unmanned, and that's you know how we call the industry, it's an unmanned industry where, especially now in COVID times, you know, we can deliver a healthcare product without any human touch. And that's what we're doing right now. We developed a smart container that fits on both on the drones of our partners and on the spot robots back, so to say. And then we can really deliver, let's say, a blood vessel or a vaccine or what have you on spots back downwards towards the station where we then, you know, put it or like transfer it to the drone and then it can transfer this to another hospital or to, you know, an area that otherwise wouldn't have any medical access. And that's what drives us. And that's where we are right now. So yeah, robots and drones are one, but then it's it really shall transform into a hub that can plug and play with all sorts of new technologies and really incorporate these trends of yeah the future of, of mobility and logistics. You uh, indicate that drones will change the urban landscape and possibly dramatically. What would that look like? And would that differ per industry or region? Certainly. I think going back to, to what I mentioned earlier, I, I truly think that this very much stands and falls with the public acceptance. And one reason why we are building this drone infrastructure is if I you know walk you through a quick example, I think in the Netherlands as well, but especially in uh, here in Portugal uh, or all across Europe, we implemented these kick, kick scooters. I think a good two years ago, they just kind of threw them all into the city. So one day we would wake up and there are just hundreds of them. And um, I think they're super cool and and, and very fun, but there was no real system in place for them. It just kind of felt like you can rent them everywhere. You can also leave them everywhere. So they would essentially just end up in the canals and in, in, in Amsterdam. And, and that's such a shame because that's not what we want to use technology for. So I think one of the, the additional positive aspects that our drone infrastructure can achieve is that we really, we can establish a system on the ground. So what we want to achieve is a, you know, is, is sort of just this, this network of 
designated drone corridors so that in the future we can make sure, let's say we picture a city like New York, that drones don't just simply enter this airspace. And, you know, there's going to be hundreds of different companies all with their drone, own drone concept and and everyone's just gonna yeah deliver some are gonna deliver healthcare and others are gonna deliver food and the third person's gonna do surveillance and inspection and i think it won't work like this new industry or this new technology can only enter this world if we have a system in place for it and i think having an infrastructure that shapes this is definitely going to help and again it's going to help with the public acceptance as well and, and with people understanding what's happening because if you just see these drones you know buzzing above your head then that's sort of it, it feels like a threat whereas i think um you know if we have these kind of hubs on the ground that people can can see and and understand what's happening inside then it makes it a lot more tangible and a lot more you know we, we tend to be scared of things that we don't know about so we really want to also help to to educate on this end to make it less scary and, and obviously more secure yeah thank you for that so eva also serves as the interface between sky and ground adding a layer of safety, control, and connectivity to drone operations all across the globe. The audience will get to hear this and would not be able to see the visual associated with that. And therefore, can you briefly describe what that interface looks like? How is this interface adding a layer of safety, control, and connectivity? Yeah, sure. Uh, very good question. So yeah, as, as the audience, unfortunately, we will not be able to see our product right now. I highly advise you to look at our website. The vertical station, that's how we named our product, is essentially built inside a 20-foot container. It's a high cube container uh, that we retrofitted into this sort of yeah, command and control center. So the way how you can picture it is that on the right hand side, we've got this, we've got six individually moving platforms where drones can land and take off from and also be charged. And then on the left hand side, we've got the control area where we obviously plug and play with all sorts of software and technology that highly depends on which kind of missions are being run. So whether it might be inspection, surveillance, or it's a, it's a logistical maneuver. So the control center offers a space for, for an actual human being that will command the station and plan these missions to be there and to operate the station. The reason why we claim or why, why we believe that we add a, a layer of safety control and connectivity is because drones, well, connectivity is probably where it all starts with because connectivity is essential for every successful drone mission. Like just imagine the second that a drone con loses its connectivity, the flight is going to be very unstable because usually what drone pilots do, even though they can run autonomous missions that are completely pre-planned, we still always try to, to have the ability to come in and you know take over manually. So in order to do that, we got to make sure that there's a 100% ensured connectivity at all times. That's why we've been recently working with 5G testbeds and, and these kind of technologies because it's of such you know utmost importance uh, that command and control is established at all times and besides that you know control obviously and, and again say, uh, the layer of safety comes from from our partners from the utm system that um, stands for unmanned traffic management which is right now what we're envisioning is the future where there's going to be a whole lot of drones in the airspace this is hard to imagine because now we see every now and then we see one or two drones filming very pretty pictures of of our vacations but um, if we really want to come in and uh 
let drones serve society for the better, then there's going to be multiple different operators. So an UTM system that really structures our airspace is going to be extremely vital. And putting this all in one place, I guess it's, it's very similar to really just an airport model that we all know is, I think, is going to be very vital in order to, to make sure that these missions are being controlled at the same time and, you know, that they sort of are planned at the core with everything that a drone needs in order to fly a successful mission. And that's sort of what we want to establish, uh, that you find all this in one single space, which is going to be our control station. Okay, and then in terms of the hardware and software that EVA offers, what particular technologies does it offer via those separate propositions? Yeah. So um, as we are drone agnostic, we're also just very partner agnostic. So right now, when we talk to different clients, we're usually very happy to to suggest different technologies, where especially when it comes, for instance, to UTM, there might be some some UTMs that are more established in, in let's say, North America, whereas others have a stronger position in Europe. So we start off, obviously, yeah, partnering up with unmanned traffic management systems. Besides that, we are establishing edge cloud computing solutions in order to, as you know, we establish a very strong connectivity between the drone and the station. We want to make sure that drones can send their data in really real time and that this kind of data can be analyzed on the spot. So for instance, when we're talking about missions in the humanitarian area, like disaster response or disaster control, this is where it becomes really vital. Or when yeah, you want to send a drone for a first responder activity to an accident, having this kind of data being transferred in, in real time truly helps to then you know make fast decisions and act accordingly uh, so that's that and then besides there's there's all sorts of really interesting technologies in the uav industry so so there's a company it's called internet they work on ultra precise landing because we obviously our station offers a lot of space for the drones to land but drones really differ in terms of size and, and weight and everything so having ultra precise landing especially when it comes to harsh weather conditions is great and is a great addition to the safety yet again so they offer a system where drones can land up to yeah a one centimeter accuracy and then yeah as i just tapped into this you know depending on on the vertical i guess there's so many technologies for instance for firefighting for surveillance and inspection in the construction area so so we're really looking out for all sorts of you know amazing software where we can say hey we we want to accommodate your technology into our hub so that if our client who is let's say in the construction area that we can already recommend you and then we just kind of sell you know a one-stop solution can you briefly describe the business model of Ava? Sure. We work as a hardware as a sales model. So, so usually we go in as a leasing concept, whereas we've had customers reaching out that simply just went in and said, we want to buy 10 of the stations. It's a true hardware sale. However, our impact truly grows. You know, we, we've got a, a total network effect. So so the more stations you connect to one another, the, the more impact we can generate, which is really important for our clients to know. So recently we've been talking to a lot of governments and a lot of, let's say, smart city projects. And this is obviously for us incredible. And this is really where I see us coming in and, and, and creating a lot of value. Because again, I think, you know, making an entire city drone ready by establishing our network on the ground is our vision. And it makes it so much easier than if it's just one or two stations connecting yeah, one point to another. Whereas yeah, mapping out an entire city or an entire country is where we can truly make a difference and, and really extend the range of drones and hence, you know, establish entire healthcare systems via airborne measures. Thank you. What would you say are the unique selling points of EVA? 
Number one, I would say, is, is truly our transportability. Obviously, you know, choosing a 20-foot container is not a very sexy solution. So while well, this is probably my luck, you can't see the product right now because this is a podcast, but it is a very practical solution. So where we come from is, as I, as I mentioned throughout this talk, is, is obviously a lot of, you know, we, we truly want to reshape healthcare logistics. We want to come in when it comes to disaster response and humanitarian supports. So the way we see it is, you know, a 20-foot con or like any shipping container was established to, to be fitted on, on a conventional truck or on a boat or on a train. And that's what we can still do. So just because we retrofitted the inside doesn't mean we, we never compromise the outside structure. So if there's the unfortunate event of, let's say, a flooding or a tsunami in uh, some, somewhere in Asia or in South America, then we can put our stations on a truck or in that case on a, on a ship and, you know, place 20 of these stations on a ship containing 24 drones each and really opt out and immediately resort into you know some sort of humanitarian support and, and that's just amazing because I think when it comes to to anchoring assets into the ground it's it's a very risky business considering that the drone industry is still so new it's really just being shaped as we speak so so is the legislation and drones usually come last so to say so when you look at let's say in dubai there would be a new airport that's being built then usually drone corridors shift accordingly which makes a lot of sense because then all of a sudden there's there's going to be a no flight zone area established around it and in that case for us it's it's very convenient that we can just then take our stations put it on a truck and just move it for a kilometer and then we're good to go again so so i guess as, as of now we're just lucky that yeah, we don't really have to anchor anything into the ground and can really bring our stations wherever they're needed, needed the most. Second of all, we're, I think, the largest drone hub that's out there at this point. So a lot of competitors are looking into proprietary solutions, so so-called one drone boxes. But again, the way I see it or the way we see it is that drones can really make a difference when they operate in fleets. And that's why we wanted to offer a solution that can host up to 24 drones at the same time. And last but not least, the fact that we're agnostic, because again, like proprietary solutions, I understand that they usually, in terms of technology and integration, they're great. But just imagine a world where we would have an airport for every single different airline that's out there. Um, that would just be a huge mess. So we want to make sure that we can accommodate all this together. And I think we can also really only make this drone industry work if we work together and not separately. And that's where we want to bring everyone under the same roof. Eva also develops UAV infrastructure for urban and non-urban areas too to make the future of drone applications more sustainable, operational and scalable. In concrete terms, what would that look like? How is it more sustainable, operational and scalable? Yeah, for us, more autonomy equals more room to really make an impact. So obviously, again, if drones right now have a range of 20 to 30 kilometers, then the technology of drones itself is great. But I think the limited range or autonomy limits their ability to really come in and help, especially in non-urban areas. So this is obviously where we just make it much more operational because we foster a place where we offer everything that a drone operator or drone pilot needs in order to run these successful missions and extend their flight range. And besides, well, sustainable in, in terms of, you know, it's this is the drone industry is based on e-mobility. So we want to make sure that uh, we offer green energy. We are working with PV panels mainly depending on the area where our client is based. 
we're currently looking into hydrogen solutions um, as we speak. So I guess that's that's really where we want to make sure that if we use drones as a substitution for current logistical means, then we want to make sure that yeah, if we spend so much money and so much brain power into establishing a new technology, then we want to make sure that it's as green as it possibly can be. And yeah, last but not least, I guess um, scalable, as I mentioned, you know, I think every new industry can only grow as fast as its infrastructure on the ground. We've seen this with cars in the 1900s and we've seen this with e-mobility in with cars yet again, where at least in Germany, I, I remember at the beginning, everyone was like, why would I buy an e-car if I can't charge it anywhere? And that's where we come in. We really just want to make sure that that this industry has the means to, pun intended, literally take off and, and, and grow and make a difference. So in terms of the potential customers or your target market, you've also tapped on this uh, previously, but would that be solely drone agnostic, meaning you're targeting drone providers or are there other potential customers you're looking at? To be honest, at this point, we are much more on a, on a on a mission to partner up with given you know drone providers and rather offer then a full solution to industry partners. So we talk a lot to to companies. Let's say someone someone like BMW who wants to establish drones into their manufacturing areas, where they say we can use drones in order to to deliver parts from A to B and documents and and again do inspection and surveillance. A lot of construction areas, but mainly really truly governmental level so talking to cities talking to harbors talking to smart city projects so it's much more yeah it's, it's very interesting if you if you think about it instead of selling a phone charger to the, the phone manufacturer we just sell the whole system together to someone who would like to use a phone and i guess if you t- take it in such simple terms that makes a lot of sense because we just want to provide a full sub solution and that's why we, why we have established incredible partnerships all across the globe with yeah different drone providers because there's so many incredible technologies and then yeah partnering up and tackling the market together great so take us through the customer acquisition strategy or the business development process How do you go about that? Would you say there's a a lot of knowledge and interest from customers or do you need to actively source customers due to the complex nature of the technologies and propositions? So far, we've been truly blessed with this. Um, it's it's been not a lot of code calling and a lot of yeah um, people just intrinsically le- reaching out to us. I guess going through a lot of accelerator programs truly helped. Most of the accelerator programs nowadays have incredible industrial partners. So the second that we really pitched to them, you know, where drones can come in and really <laughs> cut costs and and help, whether it might be in a humanitarian aspect or, or really just to to make their businesses more operational, it usually doesn't take a lot to then sell. To them the the real value or the proposition that we have so so far my job has been fairly easy in terms of really acquiring new customers however obviously for us due to the complexity as you have just correctly mentioned is this it's not a fast-moving consumer good so obviously you can't just simply make a sale and then that's that so usually you know um, our entire from our first discussion to really then executing on on a project usually is yeah something between six to nine months which makes it exciting because in that sense you at least you really grow together with the with the client and and you really work on a work a project out together and not just yeah make a transactional sale and going to the drone industry according to Ava the drone industry really needs a network and one data point or fact is over 3 billion dollars has been invested in drone OEMs yet only 1% of this amount has been invested in drone infrastructure what do you think has been the key driver of this 
Well, it's really, truly interesting if you look at the numbers. And it, it very much reminds me of yeah what happened in the 1900s, where I think Rockefeller was really one of the first people to say, okay, if we don't focus on establishing roads and garages and, and ways how to bring automotive into this world, then it's uh, never going to go anywhere. So from the 1900s, where we probably had one car, to 1930, where we had thousands of them, it was truly, it took one person to opt out for this. And I think it's at this point, point it's obviously building the infrastructure is not really the sexy part of the business so i think a lot of companies are focusing on building their own drone hardware because it's just so much more exciting but i guess a second that you know as you as you asked what would be a key driver i think we just need to see one city moving forward and really just being the pioneer as and in making a city drone ready and showing what it can do and achieve in in terms of making the society feel more safe and just establishing different kind of services and and then I think this is really going to grow much, much quicker and a lot more investment is going to be put into the infrastructure and not just into the drone hardware. Right. I'm just wondering because you just mentioned one of the key drivers would be the fact that it's not as sexy because they want to develop it themselves. But that's a very big gap between 1% and a larger percentage to invest in drone infrastructure. What we observe in the industry as well is that it's often stakeholder management that's lacking or raising awareness around creating that right infrastructure for the drone technology. That's one of them. And the second one is obviously the regulatory implications of the infrastructure. So I was just wondering if you could tap into that as well. Have you observed that to be as one of the key bottlenecks for the allocation towards drone infrastructure? Yes, I'm, you're 100% right. So I think it's really, um, A, the, the lack of, let's say, knowledge with regards to what we need this infrastructure for. So so I think that's that's typically because right now the, the drones, um, everything's very fragmented. So every single drone hardware provider or drone operational service provider operates individually. So I guess that's why you don't really see how much it would make sense to is, essentially you know, establish this sort of like system in place what I talked about earlier. So, so I guess it's, it's really truly a, a lack of knowledge. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that a lot of technology that we are currently talking to, you know, different kind of softwares and and how the acquired data that that drones can collect, you know, during their missions, how we can use that data in order to yeah make informed decisions. This is all very future talk. So so I guess we don't really see how it would make sense to to really plug and play with all these different systems and put them under one roof. So I guess as everything is still very much in its infancy, I guess we we weren't oh, like a lot of people and a lot of investors and and uh, stakeholders are, are simply not aware that this is going to be extremely inefficient in the future if we don't, you know, put it all together. In this space, looking at the external factors, what would be the key critical success factors for EVA to be able to scale? So it's all about legislation by the end of the day. We've, we've had great success, especially this year, uh, with the so-called BVLOS, um, Beyond Visual Line of Sight Flights. I guess a second that, that different countries are going to put the green light on that. This is really going to, to shape the use space in a completely different way. And, you know, so many companies like Amazon and Google as well are already, you know, working on drones for years now, yet you don't really see them out there. And that is truly because, right? now yeah the legislation is still fairly unwritten however with us the good thing is our drone box can't fly so we don't really need the legislation but we need 
the drone operators to you know be in the sky in order to to be needed but again i i see a very very positive progress on that end and other than that i think it's it's we just really got to go out there and perform the first couple of projects and really show how much we can help with the autonomy and the um scalability of of drone missions and then i think it's going to be a fairly easy easy way for us into the market just because they're a lot of cities have already realized that they need to get drone ready in order to um, to, to really implement this new technology. And I think that's uh, when we're going to come in and really make a difference. Perfect. Thank you. Let us now go back to Eva. In what startup phase is Eva in right now? We're currently raising our Series A. We are opting for 5 million euros and have already collected the majority of that amount. However, we're still accepting small ticket sizes. And besides that, we have really, we've, we've um, finalized our, our prototype. We're in manufacturing phase where we have currently come to terms with the fact that we are going to outsource manufacturing just because it's a very complex product. We're a small team and we would just, we just need an army of engineers to, to help us out. Maybe in the future, Future, obviously, we're hoping that we're going to have our own manufacturing halls. But I guess at this point, we are in the very lucky position that we have much more demand that we can handle. And that's why, yeah, I think uh, coming to terms with the fact that outsourcing is, is going to speed up that process. So that's where we are. And yeah, really hiring, hopefully from Q1 next year onwards, but all in all, really in a, in a very particular growth phase. And are there any, if you look at the, the short and midterm, are there any specific strategies you're currently working on? Certainly. So um, as, I, as I mentioned, you know, off the record earlier, we are reallocating um, at this point, or we, we're looking to reallocate to, to both most likely Germany and then to, to the Middle East. We've, we've got accepted into an incredible accelerator program there in, in Sharjah and the technology and innovation park. And, and we've just received so much incredible demand from the Middle East and, and really understood that this is also a region where being on the ground truly helps and just being close to the customers and, and maybe also having some local talent that can help us out and that knows how to really maneuver around the mentality, business mentality. So hopefully, yeah, opening up Germany and and then the Middle East, most likely in Sharjah in, within the Technology and Innovation Park, which would be just an incredible milestone. So that's where, where we are with the physical part of the company. In terms of specific strategies, we are currently retrofitting our design or we're, we're looking for a second product which we're developing together with Daimler where we want to put the station on a Fuso truck and really retrofit that truck to, to have a station that's constantly on on an auto like on a on a movable car whereas as I mentioned yeah exactly as I mentioned before our station can now be put on a truck or on a ship or on a train but we want to to have really a station that's constantly fixated on that and that can really just move around for instance earlier this year we've used drones a lot to dis in fact areas and you know public spaces where you can really take the truck it contains the drones and then drive from one city to another and and opt out for covid you know counter fighting measures so that's that and and then other than that we're we're further de developing our software which i think is majorly important to hold uh, true on that claim to make the entire drone mission so much more operational and sort of build this software that sort of looks like an uber interface where you see all the different stations across the cities and see which station has what kind of availability and you know, which drone is charging where and uh yes so that's a that's a three main things right now and then besides that scale and scale and scale and hopefully grow into an incredible and a large team 
Sounds very uh, ambitious, especially the last part of scale, skills. <laughs> very good. So what I hear is going international and then obviously product development in terms of uh, either the hardware, um, working with Daimler or the software, uh, the development with regards to the software and technologies. Um, and then in terms of the resources, you just mentioned you're, you are currently in raising a series A, you're about to finalize that. And then you are planning to to scale uh, when it comes to talent and recruitment as well. Are there any other resources Ava is currently looking to source to be able to scale? If so, what would that be? I would say, yeah, at this point in time, it's, it's obviously f- f- trying to find the right location where we now really feel like this is a place um, where we find all sorts of talent and, and, and obviously funding to tackle the, the incredible demand that we're facing right now. Before we have reallocated, I guess talent is, is going to be yeah, subject to where we're going to end up reopening our, our headquarters. But I think that there's, uh, besides that, it's, it's truly just having the operational means uh, or like the, the monetary means to scale this as quickly as possible and to also further develop our product design um, because I think our product finishing right now is is great uh, but there's so much more that can be done and that can be onboarded and, and new technology as I mentioned with regards to R&D we would like to look into hydrogen solutions and then all these things so for now it's you know having the monetary foundation to kickstart R&D into a much more uh, sophisticated area would be, would be what we're truly looking for. In terms of the vision and the mission, what impact is Ava seeking to have? I think we truly want to to give the you know the so-called drones for good a home and and a way to you know I think all these drone drone operators or drone manufacturing companies they've got incredible visions and we want to help them achieve that and and make sure that they can get to where they want to go. So you know looking at at yeah companies wanting to send vaccines from A to B or or delivering blood vessels in Nepal to places that don't even have grid connections and this is where we want to come in and build the foundation and you know we're we're at this new threshold of an industry to rise and we want to make sure that it rises in the in the right manner with the public acceptance on board and to make sure that drones can enter this world in the most secure way possible. Perfect. Thank you so much. So before we wrap up this very interesting talk, Isabel, for potential investors, strategic partners and fellow entrepreneurs to reach out, where can they find you? First of all, obviously, through our contact form on our website, it's eva.xyz. But I'm always um, very happy if you simply reach out to me on LinkedIn, Isabel Naka. I try to be very responsive there. And other than that, obviously, through my email as well, it's inaka at eva.xyz. But I'm sure, yeah, you'll find me one way or the other. And I, I would be very fond to hear from any of you. Amazing, Isabel. Thank you so much for sharing your story and taking us through the propositions of the firm. I really enjoyed learning more about you and and Eva. Wish you all the best with the next steps for Eva. Perfect, really. Thank you so much. Thank you and take care. Take care. All the best. My dear podcast listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. Make sure to share it with someone who's potentially interested in connecting with the startup. And if you want to learn more about upcoming valuable startup propositions and how they're impacting our society, make sure to subscribe here or follow our LinkedIn and Twitter page for updates. For more information on the firm behind this podcast, please visit www.raceve.com. Stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time.